Welcome to the Genuinely You podcast channel, which is packed with advice and tips on how to live your life with purpose. Do you wish you felt happy and fulfilled? Are you feeling stuck, wishing things could be better? Are you ready to take some action and create the life you want? To start living an empowered life, you need to recognize and make full use of the power and freedom that comes from being genuinely you. Your host is Gina Gardner, a number one best-selling author whose whole life has been about supporting people to achieve personal empowerment, helping people just like you recognize that they can. Hello there, it's Gina Gardner here. I'm your host on Passionate World Radio today and I'm really pleased that you've joined us. Our theme today is that of leadership and it, there's an enormous amount written about leadership and there are a huge range of courses available. But what interests me is how many people will go on a leadership course, um, but actually when they come back, the day-to-day -day running of whatever it is that they're doing gets in the way and very quickly the vast majority of what they've learned gets forgotten. And for me the missing link is that people are not taught to lead themselves. No. It's all very well leading other people, but if you don't manage yourself and you don't model the behaviours that you want from other people, mm. if you don't have clarity about what you're trying to achieve and why, mm. and have the capacity to communicate that, mm. if you don't set high expectations very early on mm. and then manage those expectations and hold people to account, mm. giving positive, constructive feedback, mm. then you're not leading. No. And it's one of the reasons, I think, why we live in a world where so many people are working in really toxic environments oh. where bullying is rife. Yeah. And I think the, 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 the problem has lots of layers to it. Yes. And so today, one of the things that I'd like um, you to share with us is um, our thoughts around the development of leadership what makes a great leader yeah. and we'd love to hear what you think so if you're a leader and you're struggling um, with a particular member of staff or a project please contact us through the website genuinely-u.com it's info at genuinely-u um, and let us know if you're um, a worker part of the team and you're struggling to manage up because I think the conventional view is you only lead and manage down. Oh, yeah, yeah. When actually, um, there's just as much skill involved in managing up, mm. particularly if you've got a tricky manager. Yes, um, yes. And I think if people understood that process um, better, yes. that they would find it easier. But for me, at the very heart of everything mm. is you are the leader of your life, mm -hmm. if you choose to be. Mm. You are the common denominator which goes into every situation from the second you're born until the second you die. Uh -huh. We don't know beyond that, but certainly in this lifetime, you are the common denominator. So it makes sense to be the leader of your life. Yes. And once you lead yourself and you've got that under control with some simple principles and techniques then the capacity to become a, a, a good leader, yes. I think, is really possible. Yes. Yes, because in actual fact, to define a good leader is, well, it, it's sort of like intangible, isn't it? There's 
There's the but X you know when you've S. got one. You definitely know when you've got one. And you certainly know when you haven't. It's much easier, I think, to define what bad leadership looks and feels like. And I think that's because it's much more prevalent and we yeah. all experience it on a much more frequent yes. basis. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would like to think that I was a successful leader and a good leader of my team of nearly 100 people well, when I, I was a teacher. Speak for themselves, Gina. And even now I hear from people to say it was a time that I really valued and that I got a lot out of. Yes. Now, one might argue that that meant that I was a very um, liberal leader and somebody who let people get away with things. Yeah. But my experience is that actually people are far better, uh, far happier, far more secure mm. when there are clear boundaries, but boundaries that they understand why they're there and that they're fairly um, administered to everyone. Yes, um, and, and that they're sensible, logical, meaningful yeah. boundaries, not yeah. just arbitrary and Absolutely. ego-driven. The why, I think, is never more important than when you are trying to lead. And interestingly for me, that there's a huge discussion about leading and managing, and for me, if you're going to be a good manager, you've got to be a great leader. Yes. Um, management for me is the day-to-day -day stuff. Yes. But ultimately, even if you're talking about within the family, yes. as a parent, yes. I think one of the problems is that the parents don't want to lead. They want to be part of the, the pack. They want to be friends. Friends with kids. Yes. And not parents. And they've got yes. to make a stand in terms of what they believe is important. That's, um, that's interesting to me because generally speaking in my corporate life I was not a good leader and I know the reasons for that um, and they were really around my interest levels and engagement with the task at hand yeah. and I couldn't find it within myself to, to have the, the, you know, the, the passion and the desire to, to really be a good leader of, of men. I was more of a manager and an administrator. I was very senior but uh, you know, I didn't... I didn't engage with what I was no. doing. It wasn't me. So so that's a bit of a hint for what I think a good leader is, that, that they have to be fundamentally comfortable within yes. their skin and with you know given the, the task, yeah. the, the job of, of leading that they've got. So, so generally speaking, in my corporate life, I think, mm, I wasn't such a good leader. I'm not a good leader. And, and I, you know, being an author and a writer, I only have to lead myself. So this is where I excel at. I'm great at doing that. But actually, when you say about parenting, um, I, I think I probably am a bit of a leader when it comes to being a parent. I fail all the time, don't, don't get me wrong. But, but I don't have that desire to be pally with my kids in the sense of um, you know, wanting them to call me their best friend. I've always said to my children, you know, do you know what? You're going to have loads of really good best friends yeah. in your life, but you'll only have one mother. And that's the role I am. Yes. So it's not that I'm not your friend, it's just that I am primarily your mother yeah and in that I mean, sense i have to be at times you have to do things which are going to be unpopular like go All to bed now and yes. turn your phone off <laughs> stop looking at yeah. your screen <laughs> mm. I teach leadership all the time and one of the things that I find quite interesting is if you ask people to write a list of what makes a, a, a poor leader um, they find it very easy and certainly, I learned a lot about leading other people mm. in my first two teaching jobs. Yes. The first head um, would not be seen until he'd done the, the uh, telegraph crossword. He oh. had a notice on his door saying, do not disturb. 
he was rubbish at crosswords. Oh. So you rarely <laughs> saw him before two o'clock. Lordy. Um, and he was somebody who would give you a free reign, which in some ways worked well because he had a great style. Yes. But then he would suddenly think, oh, I need to go and do something. And he'd go in and he would interfere and make comments without yeah. recognising what was going on. Yes. And so, for example, this is a silly example, but it just gives you um, an indication of where where I'm coming from. Yeah. Um, it, we were doing a play, and part of the play was talking about the plague. Oh. Um, and the children were plague victims right. and were miserable and downtrodden <laughs> and he suddenly arrived and said to them all smile because oh, <laughs> he hadn't got a clue smile, what was going on you've got the bubonic plague <laughs> and i think lots of leaders give their staff a great deal of freedom yeah but then come flying in yes haven't taken the time to understand what's been happening and where they're up to yes and start to make demands and to make um, changes without actually understanding. Yes. But in a sense, uh, my second head was just lazy. He would go off wandering. Um, I can remember one afternoon where there was a lot of staff sickness and I had 90 kids all afternoon. Mm -hmm. And he came in at the end of the afternoon, not to tell me thank you very much, but yeah. um, waving a piece of paper and said, I've just had the most wonderful wine tasting this afternoon. Oh. Um, and I found a really good case of wine. He didn't even offer me a bottle. Oh, um, not even a sip. Not even a sip. <laughs> um, so I learned a lot about how not to do things yeah. and was determined that I was going to be somebody who would do things very differently. Yes, yes. But I think perhaps um, I'm taking this down a route and I'd like to draw it back. Mm -hmm. And I suppose the best way to think about it is, if you think about what makes a, a, a great leader, mm -hmm. and then look at that, how does that work in terms of your you as the person, mm -hmm. I think, for me, it all starts with self-belief. Yes. And the difference between self-belief, where you have the confidence to know what you are about, your strengths, but also your weaknesses mm. and your vulnerabilities. Yes. To be able to play to your strengths and wish to develop the areas of weakness or vulnerability. Yes. And be honest. And for me, being a great leader is all about being authentic, yes. being genuine. Yes. And if you if you don't know what you're doing, be honest about it and get somebody in who does. I think that the the aspect of humility oh, in leadership huge, yes. is it well it's often overlooked and can sometimes be dismissed I think in certain corporate organizational yeah. cultures as being weakness but I, I think a leader who is who has a, a level of, of humility about them demonstrates their humanity demonstrates yeah. their authenticity and you no know, nothing ever went wrong from somebody saying actually I don't know yeah. So I need help. I think that's less dangerous than yeah. people who purport to know yes. and then won't take help because it would make them look bad. Yes. I used to call it, you know, the best boy or girl in the class syndrome. Mm. And there were lots of, of heads and there were lots of uh, business managers mm. who won't appoint people who are cleverer than them. Ridiculous. I mean, you know, so, so sort of short-minded and short 
just short everything, isn't it really? Just because there's always going to be somebody. My job as a leader was to employ the very, very best people yeah. at everything. My job, I believe, was yeah. to lead them, yeah. to set the vision, to be very clear about what we were trying to achieve. Yes. But then to employ the best mathematician, the best IT person, the yes. best language person, yes. so that collectively we were able to move things on. And it was made very clear to people who were being appointed your job is to be within the team, not only leading your subject, but actually how are you going to make us all better? Mm. Um, how are you going to develop people? Mm. Um, but a lot of people are frightened <coughs> Fear. Yeah. Of, of, of having somebody who appears to know more than them. And one of my pet hates was where people took the credit mm. for their team. Yes. Um, or for somebody within their team, nicked the idea and then took credit for it. And that, for it's me, shoddy, isn't it? huge lack of integrity. Yes. yes. And actually, you have credit in the fact that they are part of your team yes. and that you've nurtured them, appointed nurtured them and given them the space and the resources to do whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I think it, it shows a mean spirit when people mm. want to take the credit. Have you heard of the phrase servant leader? I was just going to bring yeah. that up. Stephen Covey, who I think mm. has so much to offer. And if mm. listeners haven't read The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, mm. and then his later book, about 15 or 16 years later, yep. um, the, the Eighth Habit, which is all around being a mm. servant leader. And I'd like to think that's what I was. Yes. The I mean, principle being that you, in the seven habits, it talks about the different styles of leadership, you know, authoritative, delegative, um, yes. collaborative, uh, laissez-faire, and yeah. so on. Yeah. And there is a role for all of those, yeah. according to need and, and people's yes. experience. Yes, I mean, it purpose. literally can change from moment to moment, depending so on the type of job you've got. Yeah. If there's a fire, you want yeah. somebody who's in authoritative mood. Yeah, you don't really want do you? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> you fancy leaving the building. Yeah, somehow get on with it. <laughs> Collegiate or democratic takes a lot of time um, and is great for getting buy-in. Yeah. But if you try and do everything by committee, you end up with, you know, they say a camel yes. is an animal made by committee. <laughs> yeah. It gives you the hump. Horse designed by committee, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but the servant leader is you do whatever is required yeah. to resource the people that you have so yeah. that they can do a brilliant job. Yes. And you hold the piece together. Yes. And for me, that's the perfect leader. The best leaders that I have had the pleasure of working um, uh, within teams have been the ones who have taken the view that their main objective is to keep the flying poo that happens in organisations, keep them keep it away from the team. Yeah. So they like bat it away and handle it and protect their team. Absolutely. And protect their team, not in a egotistical sort of, you know, uh, they've done something wrong, let, let's cover it up, but protect them in the sense of saying, we have a job to do. I have the experts that can do it. I just need to keep them away from the stuff that's distracting yeah. or irrelevant or, you know. And when there is stuff that needs to be implemented, yes. that it's done in a way that doesn't throw the baby out with the bathwater, yeah. that actually says, what is it that we have already that we can utilise and what do we need to change? Yes. And I think the big thing for leaders today is there's never been a, a time of greater and 
um, more speedy change. Mm. If you just think about the world of technology, mm. it's almost impossible to keep up with it. Yes. And the legislation that comes through, huge. Yeah. And so part of the job of the leader, I think, is to actually filter out what's relevant mm -hmm. and then to um, present that in a way that means that the individuals, the team and the organisation mm. can cope with the change in um, a constructive way mm. rather than everybody is just so battered mm. by change after change after change. Yes. And it's the thing that most people, uh, more people find change a challenge yes. than actually embrace it. Yes. Um, yes. And yet change is one of the fundamentals of life, isn't it? Yes. And let's face it, it's very admirable when you find a person who who's leading you, who demonstrates a fearlessness, um, a courage, you know, it's, it's very admirable. And if they are also demonstrating a, a level of protection of you to allow you to get on and do the job, then, you, then they're, they're fostering this, this very human condition called trust, which, let's face it, is sort of one of the fundamental relationship builders, isn't it? If you don't trust the person... No then you won't work well for them and you won't give up your best. I mean, it's broken in so many of the big relationships. You look at, you yes. know, politics, you look at health, look at, you know, pretty well any big organisation. Mm. And there will be pockets which are working well. Mm. But as a, an overall, I think that they are in deep trouble mm. because trust within the organisation and externally to the relation of the mm. organisation has been damaged mm. but with trust comes responsibility and I think in other places there's no trust because because the leaders haven't held people responsible and things have gone badly wrong yes then the trust goes rather than for me the principle is if there's something going wrong and you're the leader look to yourself first yes don't blame the little guy no what is it that you haven't either set out clearly you know were your expectations really clear yeah were they communicated and shared because often people think because i've said it that it's landed on the other person in exactly the same shape mm -mm. when the reality is you might say things but people have different interpretation of the same words yes look at the word excellence mm -hmm. it's banded about mm -hmm. all over the place but unless yeah. you unpick what does excellence look like in yeah. the context of this project yes. or this this team or this organization yes. Yes. then you've got everybody singing from a different hymn sheet yes and i believe that is the oh. fundamental reason why this my organization is so successful yes because yes. we've unpicked the behaviors in you know in terms of relationships in terms yes. of planning in terms of monitoring yeah you know, excellence looks like this yes good looks like this yes um okay looks like this yes. unacceptable looks like this and yes. the level of professional discussion yeah. was challenging yeah. but done in a way that everybody recognized that this was done with respect and you yeah. could disagree yeah but it didn't mean i didn't like you it yeah. didn't mean that we were falling no. out yeah, yeah. We were having a professional discussion about yeah. the best way forward. Yes. And that enables organisations to fly. Yes, because that, that uh, level of friction, uh, you know, in the sense that it's not out of control and just outright um, anarchy going on no, within no. and arguing and, and for the sake of it, but a healthy level of friction where you have opposing views 
Uh, got to. Because in, in having a discussion, in having a conversation yeah. about difficult matters, um, is when truths and realities and, and misunderstandings can begin yeah. to... Yeah, well, they become apparent and you get you get the transparency. Yes. And that's what you're really after is, you know, somebody's definition of excellence, for instance, if it's not transparent what they absolutely mean by that, then, then Fred's definition of excellence, as you've already said, could be miles off it. And, you know, people will say in reviews, it's not good enough, it needs to be better. Mm. What does better look like? Yeah. What specifically is required yes. in order for me to move forward. Yes. Now, it's an interesting paradox, isn't it? Because we're talking about giving people um, space to um, to be the best they can be. But oh. I think that that comes within a structure mm. where people understand what's expected of them. Yes. So for me, when I appointed staff, it started at the advert, very clear, what sort of person mm. was required. Then in the interview, don't come here if you don't want to be a great team member. Oh. Don't come here if you want to work, don't want to work hard. Oh. Or you're moody. Or you're difficult to work with because we won't have it. Oh. So the first time they were moody or they, you know, they were uh, didn't meet a deadline, you could say, do you remember the interview? Oh. The so consistency is, is key, isn't it? Yeah. And I think the other thing is that if something falls short, that you confront the issue. You're not confrontational. No. You know, what's going on here? You know the expectation is this. Mm. You're not meeting it. Mm. What's, what is it going on? Mm. And how do we make it better? Mm. How do you take responsibility? Yeah. And for me, a great leader enables people within their team or their organisation to recognise they may be the toilet cleaner. Mm -hmm. They may be the the senior manager for finances, mm. but each is the leader within their own yes. um, part yeah. of the organisation. And the organisation needs them all. Need, absolutely. So be the best toilet cleaner or the best financial director mm. that you're capable of mm. and take pride in it. So what do you think of the, um, if, if you like, the stereotype uh, leader, the, uh, the army general who, who turns around and says, you can't handle the truth, and, and, and the God complex doctor who um, lords it over all of his patients and his nurses and his junior doctors. Huge ego going on there, yeah, isn't I mean, there? And part they of would it, argue very strongly that their, their style of leadership was necessary, wouldn't they? And that's their point of view. But you also meet doctors and army generals who will teach their people to think uh -huh. um, and who will uh, work with a patient to say this isn't palatable news but actually you're not on your own yeah and we're going to work through this together now I've got expertise but it's your body yeah um, I can remember I, those of, uh, listeners may not know I've had two um, uh, failed back surgeries mm -hmm. um, the difference between the doctor and the first who had the bedside manner of a wardrobe, <laughs> um, who told me that his operation was a complete success, it was I who was the failure. Oh. And those were his very words, they imprinted oh. on my mind. Mm -hmm. And the second doctor who said, you know, it's happened again, mm. not sure why, there's obviously something that, that's gone wrong, your system doesn't operate um, in, in perhaps the stereotypical way. 
let's now work together to find the best way forward. Yes. The difference in terms of their style of leadership with their teams was reflected in the way they dealt with their patients. Yes. Um, and I would say, it doesn't matter which industry you're in, there will be times when... I had a friend who was in the, uh, in the chemical industry, for example. Right. Very, very high control. Mm-hmm. As you'd expect, they were dealing with very dangerous stuff. Yes. So we had a discussion about leadership and about how much freedom he should give his team. Yes. And I said to him, the structure that you lay down in terms of this is non-negotiable. Yes. Because this is what's keeping you and the public safe. Yes. When you are absolutely certain that you have the trust both ways of your people, that they understand the consequences yes. of any decision that they make. Yeah. And that if it set, sits outside that parameter, they will be responsible for that. Mm-hmm. Then where is there um, the negotiable stuff mm-hmm. and the stuff where there is the, the space for people to be creative in terms of how they approach things? Yes. But you... In that situation, and in every situation, there will be certain things that are non-negotiable. Yes. And, but it's important as a leader that you understand why are you making those things non-negotiable. Yeah. And it might be, this is not negotiable now because you're not experienced enough. Yeah. When you are experienced enough, that will open. Or it could be, this is life or death, you know don't open that valve unless you put your safety gear on. Yes, Um, It's horses for courses. It will be different according to different situations. Now, most people work in industries where it's not life-threatening. No. But there are still regulations. You know, regulations about data, regulations about how things operate. Yeah. And so making it clear what is negotiable, what is, is around safety... Yeah. And what's not, yeah. I think, is vital. Yes. Um, because there's that... I mean, sometimes it's been described to me as a bit of a... Oh, that's a cop-out. But there is a belief, as I hold it, is that I don't actually think anybody is turning up to work and deliberately trying to do a bad job. I think no. everybody is trying to do their best. I think there are people who are not motivated. Yes. And uh, then one has to question... Are they not motivated because the leadership is poor? Yeah. And there are times when that is true. Yes. Are they not motivated because they're in the wrong job? Yes. And I think, you know, you hear a lot about uh, of leaders talking about youngsters who come in and are finding it hard to get into the work ethic. Yes. And to expect to be spoon-fed. Yes. Um, and I think, again, they're very different scenarios which require a very different... Um, way of looking at it and you know if somebody is lazy for Mm. example it's having the the question you know what's going on Mm. this is the job and the expectations were made clear before Mm. we started Mm -hmm. I would suspect that very often they're not yeah and so what was set up in the beginning is not what people are facing yeah Um, and again that comes I'm really sorry to land the responsibility onto the leader's shoulders. Mm -hmm. That's either you've not appointed the right person, Mm -hmm. there is a difference when you inherit, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Either you've not not appointed the right people, they've not been trained and inducted 
correctly. Yes, yes. And that training, lots of induction is, you know, here's the pack or you get a morning. Yeah. For me, induction is the first few months until people become very much part of the organisation yeah. and it's a two-way process. Yeah. So I think, you know, in answer to your question, I think generally speaking, people are doing the best they can. Yeah. I often think people don't recognise that they have the potential to do better. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. a leader's job is to open their eyes to their potential. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And at times, for a leader to say, this isn't right for you. Yeah. If you're a leader going into an established team, and I went into a team where I was the youngest bar two mm. on the star. Yes. Appointed... Um, when the deputy had been told not to apply because they were going to appoint a man. Yeah. So you can appreciate I was flavour of the mum. Yeah. You've got to get them on side. <laughs> and I think part of that is you have a honeymoon period mm. where you need to be establishing your integrity, mm. establishing your vision mm. and why the why is so important. Yes. That vision is so important. Yes. And there will come a time with people where you have to say, look, you've got a choice to make. Either you're with me yeah. or you're not. It's not what you do in the first day or even no. the first three months. No. But when you've tried to bring them round to your vision yes. and they're still um, being very resistant, and there are people who are resistant, yes. Yes. then it's time to say, do you know what? Um, think about what it is you want. Mm. Be very careful about constructive dismissal. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Talk to your HR if you've got HR. If you haven't got HR within your business, then there are um, organisations that you go yeah, to. Yeah. Um, so don't put yourself in a vulnerable position. But at the same time, if you've got a square peg in a round hole, that can hold your team and your organisation back and be Gosh. very destructive. Yes, yes. But for me, the message I'd like everybody to take is start with you. Manage yourself. Mm. It's no good going to tell somebody off if you're angry. You know, you need to be able to do that in a neutral voice. Yeah. You need to be able to manage um, yourself. And, you know, if you're asking to people to behave in a way that you don't, it's never going to work. No. So, you know, I think with all of the leadership things, start with who you are. Start with, you know, knowing your strengths and then look at your team. Do an audit of your team and their strengths. Yes. And involve them. Yes. Involve them in saying, you know, just um, doing an audit, blame me, yes. doing an audit of where we are um, and ask your staff how they find your leadership yeah. and be open to feedback. Oh, lordy. Um, because <laughs> if you do it in the spirit of, I want it to be better, yeah. I want it to be even better, perhaps yeah. use the presupposition it's not bad to start with. Yeah. Um, and I want to help you reach yeah. your potential. What is it I can do for you? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that then you can really start to fly. Yes. And I think perhaps our next one ought to be on how to be a great team member because I think yeah. there is a whole technology yes. and, and principles of being a great team member. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that brings us to the end um, of, of today. Thank you very much for joining us. You'll find... Um, lots of information on my website, which is genuinely-new.com. You can also get um, a, cop a free digital copy of my latest best-selling book, Thriving Not Surviving, The Five Secret Pathways to Happiness, Success and Fulfillment. You'll find Rachel's best-selling book, The Point of Me, on Amazon. That's Rachel Davidson. Um, and if you'd like to know more about belonging to the Thrive Together 
tribe which talks about becoming the leader of your life. Um, you can try that out for a dollar. Um, you'll find the link on the website. So thank you very much for joining us. This is Gina Gardner, your host on Passionate World Radio. Thank you very much for joining us today and I look forward to being with you on the next show. You've just been listening to another great Genuinely You podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Genuinely You is a culmination of Gina's work, spanning over 30 years of helping people learn what makes them feel happy and truly fulfilled and how to achieve it. Please visit genuinely-you.com today to find out more.